0: Three, two, one. We're on. Let's get it. Heavily contested. We're back at it. Chris, right here. Matt, right across from me. If you haven't heard, NFL season's over. So at least for the time being, we're not gonna be talking that much NFL. Sorry to break it to you. We may talk about some storylines if something really crazy happens. Yeah, probably hear when we come, when the draft comes up, we'll we'll hop right back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be good. We just you know, right now sports is in a bit of a dead period. You know, it's kind of like the summertime, like when the world was normal, where like it's only baseball. There's no NFL. There's no NBA. And then you also don't even have hockey if you care enough to talk about hockey. So it's, just a, it's a dead period. So right now, we're kind of in the dog days of the year. We only got the NBA. MLB will be coming up, so we'll be getting into that. But enough about this introduction. We're going to get into the NBA right now, hop it off right quick with some midseason award candidates. I feel like, you know, we're about almost 30 games into the season. It's a 72-game season, so why not just hop into it right now? So we're going to hop out with the MVP. Our top four candidates that we agreed on, LeBron, Jokic, and B. Curry. We're going to get into a little bit of a debate on who we think could get it, so we're gonna go into each person, dissect why we think this person could win, and then give you our individual choices on who will win. LeBron James, everybody's you know opinion is he
1: should win it every year. Do you think he could win it this year? I mean, I really think LeBron should win the MVP most of the years that he plays. I mean, there's there's been a couple years that I think that we can definitely agree that he's been robbed of it. 100. Um, I mean, Derrick Gross is a great story that year, but LeBron should have won the MVP that year. I think that the year that Harden won it, I think that LeBron was a very easy candidate to pick from there too. Um, but I think that he gives us the second strongest case for MVP this year. I don't think he gives us the strongest case just because Embiid has been such a fucking monster this year. He's been insane. I told you about that too. Yeah. You can't disrespect Embiid right nah, now. He's you going can't, this No, you can't, but you can't discredit what LeBron does for this, for this Lakers team. You can't discredit what LeBron has done over his entire career. I think that he's just a viable MVP candidate every single year. Yeah,
0: like, I, I completely agree with you, man. Like, we understand LeBron James is the greatest player of our generation. And, look, I'm, I'm even getting to the point where, look, I've been an MJ guy my whole life. I'm, I'm starting to turn and lead toward LeBron, so. You are. I, I am, bro. And, and we'll leave that for a conversation for another day, that little goat discussion. That's but I am starting to turn. But, look, man, I understand everything LeBron James does. I understand everything LeBron James is. What he brings to the table, he is literally a franchise transformer. Undoubtedly the reason he won the title last year. He's literally doing things that defy time, defy everything that we've ever thought of what an athlete can do at age 36 going on 37 this year. But I look at his numbers, and I think it's just kind of like that LeBron effect where... It's even happening to Steph Curry right now where... He's been doing the same thing every single year of his career, consistently averaging about 27, 8 and 8 for the most part. Like as
1: long as I can remember, as long as I've been conscious. You know that his that his career his career stats are 27, 7, and 7, but he's never actually been 27, 7, and 7 in a game. Are you serious? Yeah, he's never actually had 27 points, seven assists, and seven rebounds in a game. That's such a weird thing to think about. Yeah.
0: That now that you put it that way, that's actually very odd. But hey, it goes to show like how layered his game is though. In the sense that, like, they could have one game where he's 27, 5, and like 15. The next game, it'll be 35, no, 30, 10, and 5, whatever. But yeah. back to LeBron, though. I think. He could win the MVP. He should win the MVP most years, but... But they're not going to give it to him like they never do. They're not, because the thing is, I think MVP, the way that it goes right now is just the way that the NBA works, like we talked about on last episode. It's very storyline-based, and everybody expects LeBron to be at the top of his game, at the top of the league, with a team that damn near is going to compete for titles every step of the way. So, it's just, I think at this point, to be able to give LeBron the trophy, he needs to be able to do something that just continues to blow our mind, like even more and more and more. But I just don't see it happening. Now, Nikola Jokic, I think, is an interesting case here, just in the fact that that guy as a big man, and this is actually a topic we thought about, you know, when we're trying to create some topics here. Can a big man realistically win the MVP in today's NBA? So it's interesting that this season we have two candidates right here, Embiid and Jokic, that... They absolutely defy the way that the NBA has just been structured the last, what, 20 years or so? Since the yeah. last time a big man won the trophy? Yeah. Because the NBA just naturally has moved away from what a big man does, like, right. in but history. They've,
1: but they've evolved They've evolved their games into, like, into not making themselves obsolete and just making them just a, pretty much like a one-trick pony, like a lot of centers in the past, that it's just rebound and get into the post. Like, Jokic is the best passing big that I've ever seen. Like And Pau Saul Gas- was a great passer. Marcus Saul is a great playmaker with the ball. But Jokic is just on another level. Even though his game is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life, he's still... Him and Embiid are the best bigs that we that we have in the game, minus Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis is just... Anthony I, Davis I don't isn't... think Anthony Davis will ever win an MVP. I don't think so either, but now for sure, because he's playing with LeBron. But... Mm-hmm. I think that if he was still with the Pelicans, then I think that he would have been a good MVP candidate a lot of the years. I mean,
0: yeah, because he would be the main guy. But the problem is when Anthony Davis has been the main guy, he just is not... He just doesn't have... I don't think he's got that dog in him, to be quite honest. But he's never
1: had the team around him to be able to do anything about it.
0: But then now he gets into... I guess now we're transitioning to Anthony Davis. I'll go get back to Jokic real quick. But he just has not... When he's been an alpha, hasn't had the success. And now when he has the success, he is not the alpha on the team. But back to Jokic. This season averaging 26.7, 11.3 boards, 8.6 assists, 56.7% from the field. And for a big, this is actually like damn near Steph Curry level for a big 39.1% from three, 85% from the free throw line.
1: So he's he's averaging pretty much almost a triple-double. Yeah, but think about this, though. He's a big. Last season,
0: he averaged 19.9 points a game. Average nine point seven boards a game with seven assists. This season, he's absolutely raised his game entirely. And even if you look at just the way that Jokic has been playing this season, there's a lot of times where he is the absolute reason why they are in games. Why they are just even able to hold up when Jamal Murray can't play. Right, that guy, he steps on the floor. You know, every single night he is a triple double threat. Incredible passer. He has.
1: He has a LeBron impact, just not to the same to the same extent. Yeah, I think I, would say I so. think that that Jokic can. Is on like the level of LeBron and Luka that they can completely transform their team no matter how bad their team is playing that night. That if they're on the floor and they're playing well, that they give them a chance to win. I think Nikola Jokic has a great chance. Now, onto Joel Embiid. I know
0: that, you know, I'm going to leave it to you right here. You were saying Embiid was not the best big in the league.
1: He's not. It's Anthony Davis is the best big in the league. Embiid's a close second. He's showing us this year, but this is the. This is the first season that I think we see a completely healthy Embiid for the for the most part of the year and healthy and dominant because we've seen him healthy and not as dominant as he could be. And, but when the problem with him has been staying on the floor, and this year he's been able to he's been able to do that more, and we've been able to see his dominance. Um, but I think that he. Is the probably the front runner for MVP? Does do you think of that too? A hundred percent. Like when I look at his stats right now, I'm just gonna go glance over real quick.
0: Twenty nine point six points a game. He's got ten point eight boards, and let's see, two point eight assists a game. So it doesn't like his numbers right now fall in line with what he did last year, except that his scoring did go up like about six points. So if I look at Joel Embiid just as a whole right now, what he means for the Sixers, I understand Ben Simmons is a great player. He's a facilitator for that squad. But that team, legit, you can make the argument that without Joel Embiid, that team is probably about, I'd give them probably about seven or six seed. And with him, they're going to be near the top of the East. I don't think they're going to be contenders.
1: I don't think they're in the playoffs without Embiid. No, 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 no. Don't do that. They got some, really, They got some nice players, bro. Danny Green and Seth Curry. Well, Seth Curry is having Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons. Is Tobias Harris even a top 30 player in this league? I can say, Yeah, I would say he's top 30. I don't think so. Why? Like, dude,
0: Tobias Harris is a very respectable player. Now, people expect He's a him
1: respectable player, but he's not an elite player in this league. Where would you put him? Probably like 40-50 range.
0: Okay, I mean, that's not disrespectful, but I just think that Tobias Harris when he is on is someone that could absolutely trans He could absolutely transform a freaking squad from like a team. Like he the thing is, he's there to serve the Bosch role. Yeah. Like people are expecting him to be that second option on a squad, and that's not exactly what we want from him. So back to Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid, the better he gets as far as expanding his game, not I'm not talking expanding his game in terms of range because we understand that he wants to shoot threes and such. But if he can be a dominant player that absolutely overpowers people as a 7'3 player that he weighs like what damn near 300 pounds he's yeah, a tree he's trunk most, on the floor he's bro he's the most
1: physically intimidating player in the NBA
0: he's amazing to watch man and I think Joel Embiid right now in my opinion we'll get on the Steph Curry right now but he's got one of the better cases to win the MVP just on the fact that there is nothing like him there absolutely is not no, like yeah. if if I were to just bring up LeBron James I could then turn and say Kevin Durant like it's I feel like it's always been that
1: well I don't know you You can't compare LeBron and KD. I don't think you can. I think you can. I really... KD doesn't transform teams like LeBron does. I mean, the thing is, KD... If you look at KD, for example,
0: he went to the Warriors. There was nothing to transform there. But then if you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, hello, they were contenders literally because of Kevin Durant.
1: Yeah, because he's the second best player in the league, but he needs other pieces to be able to succeed.
0: But I don't think the gap between... LeBron and KD is as great between Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis.
1: Are you serious? Being deadass. But I think Anthony Davis is better than Joel Embiid. No, he's a better not. basketball player than Joel Embiid. No, he's not. Yes, he is. I'm
0: saying big. I'm not saying play. I'm saying big.
1: I mean, but, well, At but the what, position. Is, well, what does
0: that really mean, though? Like, I mean, but look, I'm saying it goes according to what I expect from a big, and we've, we'll have this debate from now to the time we die. But I think Joel Embiid has a very strong case to win MVP now Stephen Curry to me I'm going to say right now that is my winner for the MVP right now Steph Curry Steph Curry I don't think anyone I, I don't think you were expecting that
1: I don't want to argue with you about it but I think that Embiid has a stronger case but Curry has Curry looks better than when he won unanimous MVP I think so like his cuz he's he, there's he's, so he, much more he needs to do but he's have you okay the way that he plays his game he's evolved his game to be able to create his shot even better than he used to be able to yeah. Like the way that he's able to handle the ball, the way that he's able to create space at like six foot one is kind of unbelievable. Six three. He's continue. not six three. Yes, he is. Okay, the NBA says he's six three. He's not really six three.
0: Alright, so they're calling Cap.
1: Yeah. He's like six one. Okay, continue. But the way that he's able the way that he's able now to to manipulate the defense and be able to create his own shot is even better when he when he was winning Unanimous MVP and going seventy three and nine. Yeah. Cause now he's pretty much him. Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre that are the main scoring options on that team, and Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are not kind of, are not the same scoring options as Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. No, no no way at all. Right. So the load is on Steph Curry's shoulders, and he's shown that he's able to do it as a six one point guard, which we've pretty much never been, never seen. Have we had? Have we ever seen a small point guard besides Allen Iverson have this much impact on a team? Derek Rose. Yeah, for the time time that he was healthy, yes. But I think, other than those two guys, I don't think there's anybody else that we've seen at six foot one that can impact a team just like that. And it's for him, for him, like AI, it's not based on athleticism like D Roses was because D Roses was based purely on athleticism. Yeah. Steph Curry, it doesn't. Steph Curry's an elite athlete but compared to nba guys he's not as elite as an athlete as all as a lot of these other guys not at he's, all he's able to do it based on his on his quickness and his ability to get up shots he's got absolute skill bro and right now i'm looking at the numbers and he's i av- actually
0: his numbers this season rival what he did in his mvp season back a uh, unanimous mvp season 2015-16 when they won 73 and nine but back to Stephen curry look if we're talking most valuable player i'm not talking best player in the league i'm talking most valuable player if Stephen Curry was not on the Golden State Warriors, they're literally going to get the number one pick next year. If you take LeBron yeah. James from the Los Angeles Lakers, they're they're still, they still, still have still Anthony Davis, He's still in the playoffs. If you take Jokic off of the Nuggets, they're still a playoff team. You take Embiid. I know you may disagree. You take Embiid, and we're, this is the Eastern Conference here, yeah. where the Charlotte Hornets and the Chicago Bulls are in contention for a playoff spot. The Miami Heat right now suck compared to what they were last year i'm not saying they suck in general but compared to last year they've been struggling they could still make the playoffs yeah so if you look at stephen curry for this season most valuable take him off that squad run it out see what happens there's no way they make it 29.9 points a game this year five boards six assists 49 percent from the field 43 percent from three dude every season of his career with the exception of last season when it got cut short with that hand injury he's gotten better he has never averaged less than 43 percent from three dog he is consistent it just
1: seems like he's getting better every single year effortless right and he's he's starting to get towards the older end of his career now he's like 32 33 steph curry
0: right now let me see let me just pull up this little info right here 32 years old turns 33 this year
1: yeah, so even starting to get into the later part of his career, we still see him being able to play at an elite level. And I see I feel like we see this with with athletes now in general that mm-hmm. they take care of their bodies so well and they're able to they're able to there's so much science behind being able to 100%. take care of your body that these guys are going to be able to play at an elite level to their 35, 36 years old. We're not going to see the anomalies like Tom Brady and, and LeBron James that are playing at an elite level at 43 and 36 years old, but yeah. Steph Curry, I think, can play this game at an elite level until he's 35, 36. Oh, there's no question about it. I think the way that
0: his game works, it definitely lends itself very well right. to what it is that Steph Curry is looking for here when it comes to longevity and being able to continue to make an impact realistically, on
1: the team. Realistically, Steph Curry, if he stayed in shape, could play until he's 50 years old just the way that he shoots threes. Oh, no doubt, yeah, bro. Like, even if 45 years old, if people were using him as a spot-up shooter, he would still do that at an elite level. Yeah, 100. dude, Steph Curry his game will be able to allow him to age well because it's yeah. not going to be like a
0: Russell Westbrook situation where that guy's just literally running himself into the floor. Right. So, for you, I already established Steph Curry's my choice, who's your choice? I'd say Embiid. Embiid? Yeah. Why? Real quick, spark noted.
1: I just think that he's that he's just been the most dominant, the most dominant player in the league at this point. Like he's He's not, he doesn't bully people like Shaq does, like Shaq did in his MVP years, but it's to almost the same extent that Embiid just bullies people down low. And it's just, it looks, a lot of the times it looks kind of effortless. <laughs> yeah, I feel that, man. Joel Embiid, man, the whole argument with him is just, he's trying to stretch out way
0: too much. And you need to understand, your size dictates you need to be somebody that is getting in there and bullying the fuck out well, of He's But well,
1: he's been better this year. Oh, yeah, no, no
0: doubt. I think there's just something about him, bro. Like, I remember Stephen A. was saying, I want him to freaking come out like crazy after
1: losing to Kawhi. I think this is the season where he's coming out crazy. The, I don't think that there's a, better, there's a better player. Like, when he grabs the ball at the elbow and he faces up, there's not a better player in the league. Okay. Like like he like he'll like he'll grab the ball in the post. When he turns around, he has the handle to be able to get over slower defenders. And then the guys that are smaller than him, he can just bully. He's a match of problem. Yeah, like a hundred percent. It's it's wild. So now we're gonna get into rookie of the year
0: race right now. So we got some candidates right here: Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, and. Let's just throw in James Wiseman, who actually hasn't been playing much lately. No. So I'm
1: gonna make. T- I think you could throw Emmanuel Quickly in there from the Knicks.
0: Yeah, Emmanuel Quickly from the Knicks would be nice. I think he's been a really good story. A lot of people didn't expect him to do but what he's been doing. We this all year. kind of
1: we all kind of agree who's gonna be Rookie of the Year.
0: Well, I mean, I guess we're just gonna eliminate this real quick. Like I said in the beginning of the year before the draft, LaMelo Ball should have been the number one pick in the NBA draft. You want to know why? Because he is that man. People talk about LaMelo Ball is this, LaMelo Ball is that, he's too reckless, he can't shoot, he can't do this, he can't do that. A couple episodes ago, it was actually before his start against the Heat where Terry Rozier was out. We were saying that guy needs a chance. James Borrego had a very short leash on him, and I understand turnovers were a problem, but how the hell do you expect somebody to literally get acclimated to the NBA game and understand what he can and cannot do on the floor in terms of certain passes to throw, certain passes not to throw. And look what happens now that he's getting some playing time. He's balling. He's unbelievable. Bro, listen. This season, he's averaging 13.8 points a game, 5.9 boards, 6 assists. However, in the... I'd say in the last week or so, these are his stats averaging. 24.8 points a game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 6.5 assists per game. Those are all-star numbers. They are. And look, if you watch LaMelo ball... His defense is not going to be something that you're going to go run at home and tell about. But when it comes to a rookie, he has some lapses, but his length allows him to be able to just make up for his losses on the floor when it comes to getting beat off the dribble. He's right. very quick at just coming back in, spreading his arms out, and actually getting in front of his defender to, no, not defender, his opponent to alter the shot. His passing yeah. is insane. His he's, vision. He's so
1: fun to watch. He transforms He reminds team. me a lot of Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway, kind of. I would say Jason Williams. A, a bigger Jason Williams, oh, of course, yeah. But I'm saying in terms
0: of the play style. But he scores, fluidity he scores at a
1: way more elite level than Jason Williams does. Oh, than of Jason course. Williams did.
0: I'm just saying in terms of him as a playmaker.
1: Yeah, I think if you put his game all together, that he's more like Penny Hardaway that can shoot threes a little bit. I want to present something to you. So
0: you remember when everybody was saying Lonzo Ball is like Jason Kidd? Yeah. I think LaMelo
1: Ball is actually more like Jason Kidd. I agree. And look, LaMelo Ball to me... Lonzo Ball is... Lonzo Ball's a poor man's Jason Kidd. Like, if you have like $3 in your account, that's <laughs> L- Lonzo Ball compared to Jason Kidd. I'm going to up it.
0: I think Lonzo Ball is a poor man's LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo Ball is already better than Lonzo Ball. I
1: can 100% agree with that.
0: Like, I, I, some people may think, like, oh my God, what the fuck? How can you say that? That's like, I'm telling you right now, it's just not a hot take. L- Lonzo Ball has literally got drafted what, 2016 17? He's had three or four seasons to establish what he is. And he's just, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, just based off his expectations, I'm going to call him a bust. He's just an average player. Yeah, he's, he's an average special. NBA player. He doesn't yeah. push the meter. Like, right now, you see with the Hornets. I don't think they will be a playoff team. Like, mo- like, their chances to be a playoff team, because they're in the East, obviously would be better than if they were in the West. But their chances of having... A playoff spot go up exponentially with the presence of Lamello Ball as I agree. a playmaker on I agree the floor. With you completely. So based on that, I think he would be the guy. So just to bring up right her here, I want to give some love to Tyrese Halliburton, bro. He's been he's been he's been real nice. Yo, outside of De'Aaron Fox, that is their best player, and a lot of people didn't expect him to come in and make much of an impact. They were questioning his shot, questioning his playmaking abilities, questioning is just his game in general. But Tyrese Halliburton, you watch him. He is a late game option for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. He is on the floor. When the Aaron Fox is off, he can facilitate. I watch a lot of Kings basketball right now because they're just fun to watch. You watch Kings basketball? Dude, Tyrese Halliburton has think, me watching them. I don't
1: even think people in Sacramento watch Kings basketball. Well,
0: you got someone in Miami that watches Kings basketball. I'm, telling <laughs> no. you, I'm a big-ass fan of Tyrese Halliburton, bro. You guys averaging 12 points a game this season, almost four rebounds a game, five assists. And in the last few weeks, averaging 19 points a game, three boards, five assists. Yo, people question him, but the way that he's on the floor, it doesn't look like he's a rookie. It looks like this is a guy who, maybe he's actually in his second year. He's a little bit more advanced in what he's doing. His feel for the floor, him getting screens up top, knowing to make the right pass, getting the right shot, he's got no problem pulling that shot from three. He can make his own shot. He's transformed that squad, and I think the Sacramento Kings will be a playoff team. Not just because of De'Aaron Fox, but also because of Tyrese Halliburton.
1: Yeah. I I
0: respect it. Yeah. And just a little, you know, side note here. Anthony Edwards having a nice season, but they're never going to do shit. They're not making the playoffs. Yeah. so
1: The Timberwolves kind of suck.
0: Because of that, he's not even in the running. Emmanuel Quickly, nice story. I understand, you know, he's doing a little bit more than people expected. He's better
1: better than their their first pick. yeah.
0: Yeah. Emmanuel Quickly right now. So he's actually really surprised me this season. So he's averaging 12 points a game. Almost three boards, almost three assists. Now, he just hasn't had much of a chance to really get in on anything here when it comes to just an impact on the floor, averaging 41% from the field, 37% from three. But Emmanuel Quickly is somebody that he's actually somebody that I think will be able to benefit from Derrick Rose being on the New York Knicks. He'll I be agree. able to learn a lot, man. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm sorry I wish could have more, but I just don't think there's much of an option here when it comes to talking about you know relevant people here for the reward. He's not going to win it, but he's a nice story defensive player of the year we got ben simmons rudy gobert miles turner anthony davis this is actually a really weird one i'm gonna have to go with rudy gobert like it sucks but like i yeah. think he is probably the one that's gonna be able to do it. you see what he's been doing with the jazz he's a block shots block shots but you no know, not just that his presence just absolutely impacts the way that somebody's gonna approach the paint bro like this season for example i'm gonna pull it up right now he's averaging 13.4 boards a game but specifically, almost 10 defensive rebounds a game. So of, of those 13, 10 are coming from defensive rebounds. Three blocks a game, basically. And his steals have actually gone down. He's nowhere near one. But the point is this. His impact on the floor, I think, is better than any big in the league. And just to say it, I think Defensive Player of the Year has just become a trophy that just gets given to bigs. I can't remember the last time that a small... Actually, it was our test. actually, the last Ron time run Ron Artest, yeah. Well, besides Kawhi. Yeah, besides Kawhi, actually, it was like two thousand and four. Yeah, but Kawhi's is Kawhi. You know, you expect Kawhi to get that, but like, it's just an award that's geared toward big men. So I think he'll get it. Anthony Davis, I think, is actually taking a step down this season when it comes to just his defense impact and everything like that. I don't really believe in his chances. He right doesn't now. play.
1: He doesn't play enough of the five anymore. He plays no. more of the four role. And, I mean, when he was with when he was in um, New Orleans, he had to play more of that five role because they didn't have a true five. Mm-hmm. But now since the Lakers have guys like Marcus Sewell. And um Trentris Harold, like, he doesn't have to play that five. Really and Kyle Kuzma, like,
0: I'm not saying he's playing the five, but Kyle Kuzma's playing really fucking good defense this season. Really? Dude, that guy, people slept on him. I got people coming back to me now saying, yo, I actually respect Kuz's game. The amount of times that that man is altering shots and actually getting some great deflections is Kuz, insane.
1: I can never, Kuz just looks like a spaz to me when he's on the court. It just kind of pisses me off sometimes.
0: Hey, man, it is what it is. So onward and upward, coach of the year. Got to get some credit right here to some of these names. Quinn Snyder leading the Jazz to a league-leading twenty-two and five record through the recording of this episode. Absolutely transform what's going on here. Doc Rivers, obviously, you see
1: what's happening with the Sixers. I think they're playing a different game. Go on with a couple more that we got. Uh, James Borrego from Charlotte, just because the Hornets are the Hornets would never we would have never thought that they were even gonna have a chance at the playoffs, and now look here they are. Um, Monty Williams from the Suns. The Suns are playing real good basketball with the addition of Chris Paul and Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks. I mean, they're not they're a, they're a playoff team right now. They're not a great they're not a great team in the East, but you can't discredit what Tibbs is doing with that team.
0: No, not at all. I think Tom Thibodeau, his impact right here, he has to get some credit with this because if you look at where the New York Knicks have just been generally in the last what twenty years or so, this they, is probably a step up. Yeah, dude, dude. The Knicks have been a doormat for people just in every aspect of the game, and I understand Tom Thibodeau isn't going to come in here and transform a team on the offensive end, but if you look at what's happening with Tom Thibodeau right now, he's got a squad that really wasn't expected to do much this year, ranking, if not at the top, damn near
1: the top in almost every defensive yeah. metric. They are the top defensive team yeah. in basketball. And Julius Randle's playing like an all-star, which we would have never thought He needs ever. To be an all-star. And he's actually playing defense, which when he came into the league was literally his main fault. And when he was with the Lakers, the same thing. It's absolutely impressive. And now he's come to the Knicks and he's kind of turned himself into a decent defender. So it makes him kind of viable and it gives him a chance to make an impact on the offensive side. I love every bit of it, bro. The thing about Tom Thibodeau, like if you think about him, he may not be the guy that's going to change your
0: team when it comes to just the offensive end. But Tom Thibodeau teams will always be in every game. You want yeah. to know why? Because the way that that defense is structured, the way that he gets it, it's just going to be a type of basketball that they are going to make you work for every single shot. And you're going to be missing a lot more than you would, let's say, against even the Brooklyn Nets, for example, the other team in New York. Now, that strategy that Thibodeau does, his his system allows his teams to be in those games that are 50-50 a lot more than they would have, let's say, 20 years ago or in the last 20 years, rather. They are able to get themselves opportunities because of what they were able to do on that side of the floor. So, just based off his transformation, I love what he's doing. So, I respect him on that. Tom Thibodeau, get that. But I
1: think, I think we also have to throw Greg Popovich in there, too.
0: Yo, Greg Popovich, right now, this team last year, I'm talking about the Spurs. They were 10th in the West last year. Right now, they're in the playoff hunt. With the same roster. With the same exact roster, but the are 15-11. Their next 10 games, I'm pretty sure it was a stat that I saw. They only face one squad with a winning record. So... Maybe they, they come could,
1: maybe they come out of this like is a three or the four seed. They could get
0: to the three or four seed. I think you really gotta give that guy some credit. So I'm gonna go on to this though. Who is your pick for, for coach? Coach of the, of the year? year?
1: Probably Quinn Snyder. The Jazz are twenty two and five. They're playing amazing basketball. I'm. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I really wasn't
0: expecting Quinn Snyder or even the Utah Jazz to be able to be in the position they're at right now, at twenty-two and five, and top of to the league. And Donovan everything. Mitchell's
1: playing good basketball, but we've seen him play better basketball, and they're a better team even with him not playing to the best of his ability. Dude, last night they beat the Heat, only shooting twenty-six percent from three.
0: Yep. They're able to just change the way that they play, and all around their ball movement is absolutely beautiful. Like it. It's is. A, it almost reminds me of the Spurs, bro. Yeah, it's, they're playing really. It's good. It's real nice. They transform themselves. If I was going to give you a pick for coach of the year, though, man, this is difficult. I'm probably going to... I'm in between Doc Rivers and Quinn Snyder. Ah, uh, God, this is really hard. I'm going to have to go with Quinn Snyder. I don't want to be that guy that's just agreeing with everything. But Quinn Snyder, just right now, like he he's giving me every reason to pick him, and I don't see any reason why I shouldn't. So, next up, we're going to talk real quick about... MIP most improved player Jeremy Grant Jalen Brown Christian Wood what do you think I think this is easy
1: I think it's Jalen Brown and it's not close
0: you really like that just Jalen Brown Jalen Brown is no
1: Jeremy Grant's Jeremy Grant's good because his stats are getting boosts because he's on a terrible team Jalen Brown is on a contending team and every single year that he's been in the league he's gotten he's gotten ten times better every single year um, he's turned himself from a good player in this league to an elite player in this league. And to go along with Jason Tatum, making this team dangerous for a long time.
0: Yeah, like, we've been talking about it a lot, the impact that these two guys, Tatum and Brown, have on the floor. And, like, this season, you compare it to last season, for example. He's averaging, this season, 26 points a game, almost six boards a game, three and a half assists on 51% shooting and 41% from the three-point line. Meanwhile, being an elite defender. Yes. And if you compare it to last season, 20 points a game, six boards, two assists. And let me see what he was shooting. He was shooting 38% from three, 48% from the field. So across the board, he's improved himself, and I think he's actually someone that's going to be able to make more of an impact on a squad that's actually going to be contending. Jeremy Grant is a nice story, but I think Jeremy Grant's, you know, name in this ring is more based on the fact that, and I'm not going to disrespect him, he's got good numbers just across the floor. He's a good player, but it's really influenced by the fact that the Pistons are a dumpster fire. Yeah. And it's just stats that, to me, while yes they're impressive, they mean nothing to me because it's yeah, me you either. know like I don't like I don't know man like I don't know what other way to
1: put it it's just empty stats. It's Detroit, it's, it is what it is. Christian Wood, however, that guy's a different story. To be honest, before this season, before free agency, I had never heard of Christian Wood. A lot of people didn't. He was just a player that was coming up the ranks with uh, with Detroit
0: Pistons, actually, who we're just talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant was his replacement. But everyone was talking about him as a nice young player that could actually show some promise here. So if you compare stats from last season, 13 points a game, six boards, one assist. This season, though, 22 points a game, 10 boards, one assist. I understand that. But then if you look at his field goal percentage, he's consistent there. His three-point percentage has gone up, though. But I think Christian Wood will probably finish second this season when it comes to MIP. Yeah it'll happen bro just watch we're gonna predict this you'll come back to us oh man they were right moving onward and upward Charlotte Hornets is a playoff team do you think that's outlandish do you think that they're gonna be a guaranteed squad like from the 1 to the 7 range they're not gonna be 1 not gonna be 2-3 but they could actually be they'll 6 be like, or 7
1: they'll be like 6-8 to eight, so I you don't think. think they'll be one of those play-in teams I don't think they're gonna be a play-in team I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna get in like 6-8 considering how weak the East is this year there's yeah. like 5 good teams
0: I really freaking love exactly everything that Lamelo Ball and Gordon Hayward have been able to do on this team. Even you throw in Miles Bridges, you throw in Terry Rozier popping out for forty-one points. The way that that team is playing, it's a lot more structured. Something I haven't really expected from even a Michael Jordan-owned team, to be quite honest with you. So yeah. I really think they could be a good playoff team. And moving next, the Miami Heat. What the hell is going on? They're eleven and fifteen right now.
1: Is what? What? Wh- what's your viewpoint? Like, what's the they're problem? Just, they're not. We're not playing '90s basketball, where you can score 95 points a game and be able to win games. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work. You can't be averaging. You can't be averaging 95 to 100 points a game and expect to win games in this day and age of the NBA. You got to be able to put up 110 and 115 on any given night. And I feel like there's just a couple of a couple of things wrong. I feel like since Jimmy has come back, Bam has been less assertive. And I feel like that's just a fault that we that they need to fix. I think Bam needs to be more assertive with Jimmy in the game. I think Jimmy needs to be more assertive on the offensive end. I think that sometimes that that he passes the, that he passes the ball off when he should be taking shots, and then just Tyler Tyler Hero. That I wouldn't say it's a sophomore slump, but his shooting numbers has have for sure gone down. Duncan Robinson isn't shooting the three like he was last year. I think Duncan Robinson has
0: actually been very exposed this season. I think the fact that he is a defensive liability, like for the Miami Heat, if we're going to go back a little bit if you're a Heat fan, he is legit the Mike Miller of the squad. While he's a better shooter on defense, I think he he, he rivals him, bro. You, You get on the floor, it's like you're playing four on five on defense, bro. Yeah, I agree. Like it's just frustrating watching them, but keep on with what you were saying. Yeah,
1: I mean Kendrick Kendrick Nunn for the last for the last like week or two has been playing well, but for the most part before that he like he hasn't been playing well. We have no type of depth. We've had the problems with COVID. We've had the problems with the injuries. I think that Eric Spolster is probably the best coach in this league. I think that he's going to find a way to figure this out, and they'll they'll be able to turn around, I think.
0: In my opinion, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that the Heat don't make the playoffs this season. I'll be really shocked if they didn't, but I think it goes even a little bit deeper. So you bring up Kendrick Nunn, for example. I don't blame Kendrick Nunn for having his struggles early on because Spo wasn't giving him much of a chance, and I understand that the way he played in the playoffs really, really, really didn't help his cause when it came to just getting more of a chance on the floor. But this season, for example... Spoh was starting out a lot with Drogic. By the way, this season... He's, like Right now, he's out for I think like the next six, five or six games. He's been struggling so much when it just comes to his overall impact on the floor. He seems too passive. doesn't have that same explosion. Goran Drogic was a very important player for this team right. last year. And not
1: having his impact right there really affects things. Also, Kelly O at the five is just not it. Kelly Olin needs to get the fuck out of here. He's just like... Having him at the five is just not it. I think you just stick Bam at the five and then you play the rest of the lineup small and you try to live with that. Because just having Kelly O'Linick in the game is just such a liability on the defensive end. Like, yeah, he shoots a three pretty, pretty well, but as a as a presence down low, like, it's pretty much non-existent. He's
0: basically like another Josh McRoberts, Luke Babbitt type player that Pat Riley signs in a panic to try to, tris- try to just fill a role. I and agree. My, that's just what I think. But then when you get to Bam... I just think Bam's just had an up and down season relatively speaking because he's been expected to do so many different things like think about it like when Jimmy's out he's expected to be the guy he's trying to figure out his way he finally gets to that point where he's excelling he's showing that he could actually hold his own against another squad and be the guy and then Jimmy comes in right now and Jimmy's actually playing really fucking well like I, and I know what you're saying about Jimmy struggling early on but Jimmy he's come back and he's played pretty freaking well He's putting up some decent numbers. I understand last night he struggled from the field. Yeah. But overall, Jimmy Butler's going to be that guy that's going to present you with the opportunity to have somebody who gives you consistent, consistent defense, will get you your offense. But Jim, like we understand Jimmy's just limited. And the, the the thing with this squad is we understand that they're going to need another piece. Right. It's just who is that piece going to be? And I know that they were saying there's John Wall on the market, Victor Oladipo on the market. Then you also got – they were interested in Derrick Rose, didn't get him. Then you also got – I think it was Kyle Lowry I was hearing? and, like and that young to fill in a role for the four but they're looking at uh, I think his name is Belica older from the Kings and I think that could be a good role to be able to just actually replace Kelly Olenek and get him out of our system in that center or just rely on him less but I think what the Heat need right now to be able to just continue to move on is just a consistent playmaker and score and look if that means getting rid of Tyler Hero, you do it. I think, I think so we too. have too much of a reliance on Tyler Hero, too much value, too I think it was just the media hyping him up. Like right now, if you tell me, for example, Zach Levine for Tyler Hero, like I'm sorry, like but like I'm kicking Tyler Hero the hell out of here.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think Zach Levine would be a great player for the Heat, actually. I think so
0: too, but the Bulls don't seem like they want to deal him. Actually I heard I read something that nobody is off limits with the Chicago Bulls. Really? Nobody is off limits from what but it I doesn't. Read.
1: it doesn't seem like they're willing to deal anybody.
0: <laughs> I mean, the thing is this, man. They're just in a difficult position, the Bulls are, because they've been trying to rebuild for a while. They got a new GM right now. And you need to try to figure out, like, can we actually even make a run in the playoffs with this squad, with what we've got? They've had a few years of Zach Levine. They've had a few years of marketing, They've had a few years of Kobe White. And that pretty much is their young core, and they haven't been able to do anything. So it's a matter of, do you just try to blow it up again and rebuild? And I think if the Bulls were trying to get rid of Zach Levine, I think the Heat should really super Forget Bradley Beal. I think Zach Levine's having a better season than Bradley Beal.
1: I just think that Zach Levine has more value over Bradley Beal just because of the age factor. A hundred percent. I understand he's been injured, but that
0: doesn't matter this season because he's played every single game he's had to play and this season. He's, he's blowing
1: up. He's more than an elite scorer in this league. He's like, amazing, he, bro. He's all around. Yeah, like he really is a really, really nice player. And even with the injuries and stuff, he's learned how to play He's learned how to play without having to use his explosiveness. Obviously, you still see him being the explosive freak that he is, but he's able to not have to depend on that explosiveness to to for his offensive game to be successful.
0: I understand that completely, bro. I just think the Heat really need to make that move to be able to continue onward. But for the Heat, I think it's just a matter of having some continuity. I just don't think that they've had enough of a, of a chance to really get a feel for each other this season because they even do have some different pieces this year that they need to integrate and... Drogic being out of thing is the biggest deal. But moving next, Brooklyn Nets, bro. I think this team, they're a very... It's a team that the the media just really misleads you on. Yeah, this
1: is becoming an every week type of thing, huh? With the, well, you with have the to, bro. It's yeah. the Brooklyn
0: Nets. Like Every week, they're just being spoken about. And they're such an up-and-down squad, but I think it's not even their fault. So if you look at this right now, they've only played in six games together, the big three of theirs. And they're 5-1 and one in those games now. They actually have the... Best record in the league this season against Western Conference teams. But last night, there was actually something interesting that Kyrie dropped. So he said he had a conversation with Harden about five days ago where he told him, I'm going to be the shooting guard. You're going to be the point guard. And I think that's probably the best thing that could have happened for this team moving forward. Because we've seen James Harden be able to facilitate a lot more effectively, even Mm -hmm. down in Houston, down in OKC. Kyrie's never been a facilitator. James Harden is
1: a top five facilitator in this league. Like, if you stick Harden at the point guard spot, he's a top five point guard in this league. I think James Harden is the best point guard in the NBA. Like, I'm saying pure point guard. Like, passing-wise.
0: Yeah, like, obviously we know Steph Curry, in my opinion, is the best point guard in the league just because he's at that position. But I'm saying what you want from someone as a facilitator and ball handler...
1: I don't think there's anybody better.
0: LeBron James is the only guy, and yeah. he doesn't even play that position. Right. So I think James Harden would be that guy. I think this will be something that could transform this team moving forward. And especially if you look at just... I feel like there's something to it, bro. These guys know something. Because Kyrie, he called him average a few days ago. But at the same time, he said once they figure it out, there'll be a problem the league needs to be notice. James Harden says he has a hard time thinking that anyone could beat them in a four-game series. And you already know Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant having a season that... I think for anybody it, mir-
1: it mirrors his MVP season
0: mirrors his MVP season and it's absolutely just blown everybody's expectations away because if you yeah. hear Achilles injury the last person we saw that had a very serious Achilles injury was Kobe and I know he's and at DeMarcus the end of Cousins. his career I mean, I mean yeah I guess but, Kobe. We, but we
1: see how guys fall off after these Achilles injuries DeMarcus Cousins was the best big in the league without when, when he was healthy yeah and after he tore he was people were saying that he was better than Anthony Davis when they were playing on the same team and then he tears his Achilles, and then he's just another big in the league. And we saw Kobe tear his Achilles towards the end of his career, and he just couldn't, he couldn't move anymore. He never was able to come back. And it's such it's, a... it's amazing that that Kevin Durant, a guy who puts so much stress on on his on on his legs to be able to create his own shots and be able to use his explosiveness, for him to tear his Achilles and still come back and play at an elite level is something to say about him. Look, this season he's averaging twenty nine points a game, seven boards, five assists.
0: from the field, 43% from three, with a 25.1 PER, which goes in line with a 25.2 PER. He's actually averaging numbers that are better than his career averages, bro. Yep. Kevin Durant, if this team is able to figure it out, Kevin
1: Durant will take them to the promised land. And having James Harden, it changes it. Let me ask you a question that's kind of off topic. When KD retires, will he be a top five scorer of all time?
0: I scorer, mean, not player. Scorer. Wait, are you saying in terms of where he is on the all-time scoring list? No,
1: no, no. Just like purely on talent to score and ability. I think he is the greatest already. The greatest? Yes. Just because he has so many facets to it, right? That
0: and the fact that I don't... like I've literally never seen anybody seven foot have a handle like that to be able to have his range. And I am sound like Stephen A pull up from 30, but dead ass, bro. That guy is an absolute threat. He is a weapon. Like, it it, he would literally be like the the most. If you made him in a lab, it is a specimen.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
0: I I just you know people will say Kareem, whatever. You'll have LeBron. But the thing is is that he can
1: he scores in all facets of the game at an all time level. There's there's not an all time level.
0: There is nothing when it comes to the offensive side of the floor. That you can say
1: is anything less than just a 9.5 out just of make 10. It, make it like this. He shoots threes from range at an efficiency like Curry. His mid range game is just as good as MJ's or Kobe's. And him getting to the rim is not as, not like a bully like LeBron, but being able to get buckets at the rim, he's like LeBron. Slithery finisher, bro. Right. Hall, so, Hall of Fame badge right there, brother. <laughs> yeah, but in all facets of the game, he's just, he plays it in an all time level. And it's just it's, it's fun so, to watch, man. It's so fun to watch. And he's just such a great player. And like I I hate to I hate to bash him, but it's just he's never been able to be that guy. And now he has this opportunity to be that guy. So if the Nets don't do well, this falls on his shoulders. A hundred percent, bro. Like actually,
0: look, he is gonna I say a hundred percent because he is gonna be that guy, but I don't think this falls on his shoulders.
1: Mm mm. But he's the guy on that team. He's going to fall on his shoulders if it's if it's because the media puts it on him or if it's because somebody put, somebody else puts it on him. It's going to be put on his shoulders in some way, shape, or form.
0: I understand the media is going to try to put it that way, but there's only so much that a man can do like that, especially coming off a season where he was out entirely with the Achilles. I think this is just more based on the fact that this team has not been built the way that it should have been when it comes to just getting the requisite pieces around them to be able to even hold yeah. themselves up in a game where it requires defense or it requires rebounding. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's tough, man. And real quick to end this up right now, Luca and Porzingis down in Dallas. We saw their performance against the Pelicans. They absolutely dominated. Porzingis was pulling up from damn near half court every single time he got the chance. Luca dropped a 46 bone, got his numbers like usual, nearly a triple-double if not a triple-double every single night out there. They're playing their hearts out, bro. I'm talking just Porzingis and Luca. They're doing the most. But that squad is just so frustrating because what are you going to depend on? You're going to depend on Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith.
1: Yeah, outside of Kleba, yeah, outside of Luca and Porzingis, they have no type of offensive threat. And then on the defensive end, Luca and Porzingis are somewhat of a liability on that end. Like, yeah, Porzingis is seven for three; he can block shots. But if you put an elite post player like Embiid, Anthony Davis, Jokic, they're going to tear him apart on the defensive end. And Luca, we've seen him. He's not—he's not a great defender. Yeah, he can hold his own, but he's not—he—he he can't defend. He can't defend at a high level. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like, yes, Luca is an all-time talent on the offensive side of the ball, but when it comes to playing defense, he's just not that guy. You need the thing is the way that they need to build that team is the way that LeBron's
0: teams get built around them. They literally need to take a page out of just the LeBron
1: James style of building a, a squad. Right, because he's—he's. He's a LeBron James replica. Yeah. To a lesser extent, less obviously less less explosive and less athletic. But to a lesser extent, he's LeBron James. I think he's a finesse version of LeBron. I agree.
0: And, and that's it, man. The Nets, not the Nets. The Mavs really need to get this right, bro. In the next few seasons, I'd say about two, three seasons is what they've got before they risk losing Luka Doncic. They need to figure it out, bro. But that's that on that. Like, rate, comment, subscribe if you like what you heard. That's the end of this episode. We'll catch you next week. We got some surprises coming in the future, that's all I'll say. Thank you very much.